difficulties. Uh, we're figuring things out here. Had a little bit better camera quality with my iPhone, but then it wasn't wanting to connect to the Facebook Live, so we're going this way. So hopefully you'll be able to hear me in kind of the, the dark shadows, and even though darkness covers the earth and some darkness the people, I'm rising and shining because the light of God is upon me. A little Isaiah 60 reference there. All right, so today we are talking about the Little Mary Band. Now, um, I've been talking about for the last three weeks that God is putting together this group of people and the way I'm seeing it in part, you know, we just see in part, we each see a part of what God is showing to us. I know God is doing something globally and there's many different ways we can describe what he's doing. There are many different biblical references we can use and biblical characters we can use to point to um, what God is currently doing. But for my portion, what I'm sharing and what I'm submitting to you, to anyone who's listening, and especially to our people um, here in Central Kentucky, I am submitting to you that I am seeing a portion of this global work of the hand of God, this global work of God's right hand. I am seeing him raise up this little merry band. And I'm going to unpack that and do a recap really of the last three weeks and then hit uh, the fourth piece of it today. Okay, so I welcome you, whoever you are, to be a part of this work of God's hand as he's raising up his merry band all across the planet. See that? All across the planet. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah the planet. Yeah, so there we go. The glow. There you go. All right. So um, the first thing I want to say, I've got some notes here, is um, that God is raising up his merry, merry band who he will marry in the land. Now, what do I mean there? Well, uh, I believe he is raising up a merry band. And the, the merry word that I'm using is the name Mary as seen in Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, the follower of Jesus, and Mary of Bethany, the follower of Jesus. So I'm looking at these three ladies and I'm taking attributes from their life as I felt moved by God to do so to examine this band of people that God is raising up. And they have these attributes of these three Marys. And so again, we're going to recap the, the attributes of who I call Mama Mary, and then of course Mary Magdalene, and then Mary of Bethany. And these are the centerpiece identities of the Mary Band. So when I say the Mary Band, I mean M-A-R-Y, Mary Band. And we're referring to those three different Marys. But today what I want to focus on is that this Mary band, exemplified in these three Marys, is truly a Mary band, as in M-E-R-R-Y, like Merry Christmas, or like someone who's merry, happy, joyful, cheerful, lively, delightful. And I want to submit to you that if we will allow God to put in us the seeds that, 
that he put in those three ladies, those three Marys, that we will live a life of being Mary and that we'll be attractive and intoxicating and uh, infectious, if I can use that word right now, in a good way. That we will draw people in to this band. Because, uh, you know, a merry face and a merry heart, it does the earth good. And I think we need some more um, merry grace, more happy, cheerful grace right now. So, I've got an antidote for our... um, non-merry state, our non-happy and cheerful state that some of us are falling into um, regarding what we're dealing with in the earth. And I believe part of the antidote is this grace that God is giving the earth, the grace of becoming like Mary, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene, or Mary Bethany. So, um, He's raising up this merry band who is going to be very merry, very happy. But next week we'll talk about this. There's something even better than being happy. This merry band is going to marry the lamb. The lamb being God and man, the most beautiful being in the universe, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah. That this group of people that God is raising up globally, they will be so close to God's heart. They will actually come in and marry Jesus. And yes, I know that one day when he closes uh, human history as we know it, we're going to have what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that will be a fuller picture of what I'm talking about. But I believe God's bringing a people together that will be so close to him that we will live in like marriage-like intimacy with him because he's the bridegroom. He always is and uh, always will be the bridegroom. And we're his bride. Even us dudes, masculine, manly dudes, um, we get the honor of being joined to Jesus in bridal intimacy. So we'll talk about being married to him next week. But today we're going to talk about being married. Couple other points I want to hit in before I get into the rest of the message. Um, this Mary band, it is a work of His hand. It's a sovereign work. Okay, so God is doing this. There's times where God like, steps into human history. He's like, I got it. I'm not just blessing some things here or blessing some things there. There's times where where God is. Um, he's never uninvolved. But he hides his presence. He hides his mighty right hand. And then all of a sudden, he just jumps into the scene. He's like, here's my son, born of a woman. Here's John the Baptist, filled with the Spirit from birth. Oh, here's my 12 apostles, and here's a crew of 120 people who will explode on the earth. So those, those are those times where God says, all right, I'm no longer hiding my face. I'm no longer hiding my right hand of power. Here's my face, and here's my hand. And I believe that right now, 2020, is one of those times where God's saying, I'm doing something with my hand. I even believe these current events that we're dealing with, with the virus and the change of pace, this is all under God's hand. And although I don't want to take time to address some of the details of the virus and God's 
perspective and all of that, I know this, that his hand is working right now. He is using the circumstances that we're dealing with to work sovereignly with his mighty hand. So he's doing this sovereign work with his hand. And what he's doing is he's making up a band of people whom he will possess. He says in Malachi 3.17, On the day when I act, they, those group of people who are fearing me and humbling themselves under my mighty hand, those group of people, I am going to make them my treasured possession, my special possession. All right, advertisement for a second. Holy Spirit advertisement. Is there anybody out there who would like to be the special treasured possession of God Most High? I've got a flag behind me of Israel. I bless Israel and I believe in the promises God has for that nation still. But I believe that by his blood, we've been grafted in to be his special chosen people. The Jewish people and the nation of Israel will always be his special possession. But you can be a special possession too. You can be the apple of his eye. You can be someone he holds in his hand. And I'm telling you, there is a difference between knowing God from a distance and being justified. I believe that many people are going to be justified by his blood in his mercy and be welcomed in to, to spend eternity away from hell and in God's presence. But I also believe there's this group of people who don't have strength of their own or qualifications or a card that they show off of their behavior, but they just have a desire in their hearts to be his. They want to be his possession. Paul said, I'm the bond slave of God. I, my life is not my own. I've been possessed by God. And I'm just making a holy advertisement. And I believe I'm just a represent, representative of God's advertisement. Is there anybody out there who just wants to be God's special possession. I believe there are people out there. I believe there are people hearing my voice right now and in your heart is beating. You're saying, that's what the core of my life is all about. I've got this, this deep desire within me. I just want to be possessed by God. I want to be his special possession. So don't think possession is a, is a dirty or a demonic word. Yeah, there were instances where people were possessed by demons. And there are instances today where people are possessed by demons. But God is the originator of the word possession. He said, look, I want you guys to be my possession. And the interesting thing about God is when he possesses a human, that's the place where true freedom and liberty begins. So don't be afraid to be God's bond slave. Don't be afraid to be possessed by him because that's the beginning of you discovering true liberty. So, uh, you can tell I'm passionate about becoming God's possession and I'm hoping to bring others into that passionate place. This is a work of his hand, okay? So it's sovereign, God's doing this. Nobody can stop God's hand. Nobody can stop the plan of his hand. No demon, no person, no government, no virus, nothing will stop the work of his hand. 
And his work of his hand is not just aimless, it's coming after you. And it wants you to be his special possession. So me, my name's Travis Span. You know what a span is? A span is a stretched out hand. So here I am today, just his little span, just a little part. I by no means represent the entire span of God. <laughs> I'm just one little fraction down here. But I am a span, a sign of the span of his hand being raised up across this land. And he's saying, who will humble themselves and be a part of my merry band? Who will be my special possession? So this is one little span saying, Lord, uh, I want to be a possession. I want to be a part of your merry band and I'll be a messenger. I'll be a sign of the span of your hand. Okay. The next thing I want to say that uh, his, his big hand. See, I'm a little span and I'm calling for us to be a part of this little merry band. But his big hand, his colossal hand that stretches out across universes and galaxies and, well, the universe and galaxies, you know, he, he's got a giant bear paw, but he's like, oh, cute little planet Earth, my green and blue sphere with homo sapiens on it, the ones who bear my image. I love you so much, and I'm going to do this wonderful work. I'm going to take my big hand, and I'm going to zoom in and find this little band of people, this little band of people who simply say, yes, yes, dad, yes, dad, we will be a part of your plan. And we won't just be a part of your plan, we will be at the very centerpiece. We will be inside your hand, your special possession. And we're little, so this group is made up of little people. So if you think you're the big shot, or that you've got it all figured out, or you're the answer to everything, it's probably going to be difficult for you to be a part of this plan and be a part of his hand, because this is made up of little people. Even if you're seven foot three, you can be little. You can be humble and know that you're just a little part of his plan. So that's what I'm here to be. That's what I'm here to call you to. Just be a little part of his band. Be a little lamb. I'm a little span and a little lamb, a little part of his hand, a little rapper right now, looking for the sunlight to make my skin tan, making, all right, I'm going to stop. I like to rap sometimes. We'll do that later. We'll do that later. Maybe. Maybe at a later time. Maybe happen today. I don't know. I'll go where he goes. But let's stay focused. His big hand is forming a little band. Do you want to be a part of this little band? Right here in central Kentucky or right over there in Ethiopia? right over there in Malaysia, right over here in Montana, right there in California, will you be a part of the little Mary band he's raising up with his big hand? Okay, because that little Mary band has a big hand watching over them and empowering them. So you're, even though you're a little band, Man, he's got big plans for you. Big plans. So it is, even though you're little, the plans are big. So get excited. Ting. All right. Um, next. This merry, happy, this merry 
Mary, as in the three Marys, little band, we are going to marry the Lamb. As I said earlier, we're going to be joined in perfect union with Jesus. Okay? We are going to attain union with Him. The Bible says that, that we're going to attain union with Him. In Ephesians 4, and in the book of Revelation, it says the bride has made herself ready. In Ephesians 4, it says we're going to attain the unity of the faith and we're going to mature into the full stature of Christ. We're going to be equally yoked. The bride and the bridegroom, equally yoked. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's very different from where we are right now in what's known as Christianity or faith in Jesus. We're, we're, pretty, um, we're pretty messy. But man, he loves us. He loves his messy kids. But we're going to mature. But this is part of his plan of maturity, getting us under his hand to come into his plan and having this little band of people, this forerunner group, point the way. Like John the Baptist say, hey, this is the way. And the way is not a technique. The way is a capital W. It's a person. So um, this Mary band is going to marry the Lamb and we're going to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. In Revelation, there's a, it talks about this remnant of people, this little band of people, 144,000, who follow the Lamb wherever He goes, wherever Jesus goes. And that's what the 12 did. They followed Him wherever He went. So as we come into this union and intimacy with Him as a merry little band, here's our assignment. Our, 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 our commission is this. Just follow the Lamb wherever He goes. He gave His dudes, the apostles, the fishermen, He gave them two words. He's like, you guys need it simple. I'm going to give you two words. Follow me. That's what we're going to do. We're going to follow the Lamb. If He wants us to go over there, we go over there. If He's going over here, we go over here. So, I'm calling you to be a part of this band who marries the Lamb and then who follows the Lamb wherever He goes. So I'm singing this song, a little different take on our nursery rhyme. Mary was a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Mary was a little lamb who followed Him wherever He goes. So we follow Him wherever He goes. All right, now, um, the purpose of the day, we're talking about being merry, happy, cheerful, full of joy. And so I want to say that this merry band, this merry band made up of people with the qualities like Mama Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, like Mary Magdalene, the loyal follower of Jesus, like Mary of Bethany, the all-out lover, worshiper of Jesus, this Mary band made up of these qualities like these three ladies. We're going to be merry. We're going to be so happy. We're going to be so full of joy, infectious, intoxicating, attractive, lively, delightful, pleasant state of being. So I got good news for you today. More grammatically correct for uh, Mary Lou Mulkey, English teacher who I used to teach middle school with, I have good news. This merry band will be merry. Okay, 
So what I want to do is first talk about Mary, the word as in M-E-R-R-Y. Just briefly hit on it. And then I want to recap the three Marys. Mama Mary, that's the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. And then Mary of Bethany. Okay, so let's start talking about Mary. M-E-R-R-Y. I'm going to take about 30 minutes to unpack this. Okay, I've taken about 20 or so once we got the, uh, the um, tech issues worked out to introduce this and kind of get us into the place where we can really hear the message for today. Okay, first of all, the word Mary. It comes from Old Germanic and Old English. Um, it's been around for uh, several hundred years, um, since about the 1300s. It comes from the word, um, uh, the Old English, mirage, or something we've, we came to know in English as mirth. Okay, And also in Old English, it's mirgen. Okay, which has to do with being merry and rejoicing. So just joy and liveliness. Mirage is connected with pleasing and delightful. And it's interesting because the word merry also, or the mirage, had a connection to a word that meant short or quick. And the idea was um, you're in such a, uh, a great state of mind and emotion and a great state of being that it just feels like the time went by like that. You ever had so much fun, it's just like, it felt like just a minute because it was just so good? Well, that's what was also connected with this word Mary. Like, it's just so good that the time's just flying by. And I believe that that's relevant to what we're talking about. I believe we're gonna have such a good time, but before you know it, we fulfilled God's commission on our life and Jesus is, we're standing before Jesus. And it's like, wow, Lord, I mean, we did all kinds of stuff, but you, you gave me such a, a happy heart, a, a merry heart. It, it was like that, okay? So I want to say to us that there is a cheerful, a lively, a happy state of being that God has for us. And I'm not saying that... Um, we don't go through tribulation. We don't go through suffering. No, we do. In fact, that's actually a catalyst that increases our joy. It's not like we walk around with um, a shallow smile or fake laughter and say, well, I'm just joyful. I'm just happy. I'm, I'm merry. See? No, no, no. God takes us through circumstances and suffering, yes. Tribulation, yes. But through it, there is a deep, merry, happy, joyful state that's worked into our inwardness, our, our inward being. And so we can really fulfill the scriptural command, it's rejoice at all times. It's not just like, a, oh yeah, I should do that. It's like, oh, I'm finding that I really am rejoicing at all times. Because here's the, here's the thing, God would never tell us to do something that he won't empower us to do. That would be that would be misaligned with his character and his nature for him to command us to do something and then not give us the resources to follow through with it. So I believe he's giving us the resources of joy and merriment to rejoice at all times. But I believe part of those resources is taking on 
the attributes and the identity and the nature found in these three Marys. So when Jesus says, Father, I pray that their joy would be full. I pray that their joy would be like my joy. Because Jesus, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, quoting Psalm 45, and some people don't realize this, Jesus was the merriest man to ever live. It says that he had the oil of gladness poured out on him, or the oil of joy, some translations say, far above any of his companions. There is no human as happy as Jesus, which is why the kids, like, they wanted to hang with him. It's like, man, he's having fun. Look at him. I want to hang with him. So they're crawling all over him. And the disciples are like, come on, get the kids out of here. We need to. Jesus is like, no, this is what it's about. In fact, bring me, come here, buddy. He's like, you, right here. Look at this guy. Look at this kid. Unless you become like this guy, full of joy and happiness and, and just being a little kid who's teachable and knows he doesn't know everything, you can't enter into the kingdom. So Jesus was, he lived like a big kid. He was the most mature human being to ever live, but his maturity manifested in merriment, happy. In fact, he was so merry, he was so merry, people thought he was like uh, a little too merry, if you know what I'm saying. They called him a drunkard. They're like, dude, you see that guy? He's always at parties. And I think he's tipping the booze a little bit. Yeah, he's a crazy prophet. And you see how happy he is? I mean, he's just constantly laughing and joking. He's got, you know, ear-to-ear smile. I know he's just, he must be sipping on something. Yeah, he was sipping on something. It's the will of the Father. It's the joy juice from God. So, I believe the joy juice of Jesus is ours because he said the same joy I have, I want it to be in you guys and I want your joy to be full. So he wants our merriment, he wants our merry state of being to be full and even overflowing. So it's good and right to anticipate being merry. Not just at Christmas time, okay? Yeah, let's be merry then. But how about we have... uh, a merry Christmas time. I speak speak a little Spanish, you know. Mas, mas is more. Let's have Christ mas. Let's have more of Christ and what He wants and what He thinks and the joy that's in Him and His merriment. Let's have that all the time. And uh, maybe we could become. Not merry Christians, because I, I, I've kind of discovered that Christianity and trying to live the Christian life doesn't really, um, it doesn't really align well with a truly merry life. But living in Christ, that's, that's a recipe for being very merry if you're living in Christ. There's a difference between trying to be a good Christian and living in Christ. I think we can maybe take off our Christian clothes and maybe even slip off our Christianity coats. I think we would feel a lot better. I think we'd breathe a lot better. So just kind of let those those things fall off. So let's, okay, I'm brushing off. I'm brushing, I'll leave my sweater on because I want to be respectful and appropriate. But in the spirit, 
I'm taking off Christianity. I'm taking off my Christian coat. And I'm just going to obey the scripture. It says, put on Christ. You want to do that with me? I'm telling you, we'll be very merry if we do. Well, let's look what it looks like. Uh, take, a, take a look and examine putting on Christ in the form of these three Marys. Okay, we're going to go bam, bam, bam. All right. This is a recipe for being very merry. You ready? I'm going to get a sip of coffee here. A sip of coffee. Ah, coffee helps me be merry. I used to not drink it. I used to be anti-coffee. I've relented and yielded. And now I thank God for coffee beans. Particularly from the Keurig. I like K-cups. Sorry if that offends you. Okay. Mama Mary. Now, a few weeks ago I talked to our community about Mama Mary, but I think it's worth it to rehash and look at some of these attributes in the mother of Jesus. There's no way we can go into a full in-depth study of her heart and her life. I mean, she has given to the body of Christ to be an example to humanity of what God wants in a human heart. She wasn't perfect, okay? We actually see at one point she misunderstood her own son and misunderstood his ministry. and She was like thinking he was crazy. She and her other children, they said, hey, Jesus, your mom and your, your family's outside because they thought that Jesus was insane. You know, so even Mary, as amazing she was, she wasn't flawless. Just like as amazing as John the Baptist was, at one time he was like, hey, he sent his guys, he's like, make sure that this really is the Messiah, because I'm, I'm having a little bit of second thoughts here, having a little bit of doubts. And Jesus said, you tell John, it's all on. <laughs> it's, I'm the Messiah, just tell him to be at peace. So Mary was not flawless, and she's certainly not to be worshipped. There's been some of that that's gone on in, in church history. We don't want to do that. But we want to honor her and we want to learn from her life. We can do that in a minute way right now. So the few attributes I want to bring out and rehash for those who have already heard this. Mama Mary, I want to talk about her humble heart. I want to talk about her suffering servant heart and her nature as a suffering servant. And I want to talk about her call and her experience of being a glory giver. She gave glory to the earth. She gave God's glory to the earth. She gave it in the form of a person who she called Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. She gave that glory to the earth in the body of a, I don't know, eight pounds, six ounce baby. I don't How much did Jesus weigh when he was born? You ever thought about that? He was very humble. He went from like star-breathing galaxy king to like several pounds in a stable. He's very humble. He set a good example for us. Let's put on Christ in that way. Willing to become little. Okay. Mama Mary was one with a humble heart. She was a suffering servant. And she was a glory giver. Now real quickly. Let's look at her humble heart. She opened up her heart to what God said. And that's the first thing I want to just passionately pull you into. And no man hand, no span hands can really do it. 
I'm a pretty intense guy. I'm a passionate guy, but I can't pull you into this as much as I would like to. I can't pull you into this with my own strength, with my words of persuasive wisdom. I can only plead to you with the Spirit of God and operate underneath His hand to work with Him and see if His hand would pull you into this wonderful grace of having a humble heart. And it's simply this, agreeing with what He says. That's the first step to humility. Even if God tells you to be the President of the United States, you know, that can be a really humble thing if God tells you to do it, if that's what His will is for your life. Some may take a step back and say, well, you want to be big man on top. You want to rise to the top on your own. If God says, no, this is what I want for you, that's a humble heart. You just agree. Mary was chosen to be the mother of God in the flesh. There was something about her humble heart that attracted God to her. And then when the offer was presented with it to her for, from Gabriel, he's like, uh, you know, you want to be a part of this plan? I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. You're going to become supernaturally pregnant. What do you think about that, teenager? And she said, let it be to me according to your word. According to heaven's report, I say, yes, sir. I agree with the will of God. I say yes to the Father. It's the same thing that Jesus did in the garden when he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. I'm going to agree with you. He gave that humble heart to God. And all of human history was shifted forever. Well, little Mary shifted all of human history with her humble heart. And she went on to live a life of humble agreement with God's word. The things that Simeon said, the things that Anna said in the temple when Jesus was born, the things that the shepherds said. Mary, It says Mary listened to these things and she pondered them. She treasured them in her heart. She guarded them safely. She was like this humble seedbed. You know, Jesus told the parable, he's looking for those hearts that are the good soil, that when, when God's word comes, they say, yay, they just drink it in. And God is the same God. Jesus is still scattering seeds. I'm scattering seeds right now. You can't see them with your eyes, but they're coming in the spiritual realm, saying, who wants to have this humble heart? Who wants to come into this state of being? That just say, yes, a big capital Y on your chest. To say yes, to say yes to what God wants. That's what Mary did that day when she encountered Gabriel, and that's what she continued to do. Up until the day when she initiated uh, Jesus' ministry. Jesus was like, it's not time yet. But God's Spirit was working within Mary, and she said, do whatever He tells you. And at that point, God gave the, the Father gave the green light to Jesus. Jesus was like, okay, here we go. Why? Because Mary was so humble and sensitive and soft-hearted to God. She was responding to God's Spirit. God's Spirit was ready to go. Cana, the wedding at Cana, it was time to go. And her humble heart picked up on that. So I could go on and on. But let me just say, another holy advertisement here for the humble heart. I'm calling out, not with my own voice, but with God's call. He is calling out. For the humble hearts. Who has a little merry heart? A little teenager heart who says, just whatever you say, God, I'm in. No matter how crazy it is, no matter what it costs with me, I'm in. I'm in. 
And not just in one moment, but a lifestyle of that. I'm telling you, you will be a tool in the hand of God. And you will do amazing things. In fact, you will give him glory. And you will give his glory to the earth. Let's talk about the next thing with Mary. Because she had that humble heart, she was willing to be a servant. In fact, one of the things she said that showed her humble heart, she said, here I am. I'm the doule of God. In the Greek, it's doule. It's uh, the feminine version of doulos or doulos, which was a bond slave. This is what Paul says. He's like, I'm the bond slave of God. I'm the servant. I'm the bond servant. I don't own my life. I'm, I'm the possession of God. And that's what Mary was saying. I'm the bond servant. I'm the doule. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. I am his possession. I'm his slave. He possesses me. I don't own myself. And so the next point I want to make is she was a suffering servant. She was willing to suffer the stigma of being the, the girl who got pregnant out of wedlock, the one who cheated on Joseph. You think people believed her story that an angel came to her and that, that, that God hovered over her body and made her pregnant? You know, because that was a common occurrence in those days. Oh, yeah, another one of those. You know, God made you pregnant. Okay. Well, we've been seeing that a lot around uh, Nazareth and the Galilee region, you know? No. No. She was, number one, accused of being immoral, and then she would have been accused of being insane. So then she's immoral, insane, and then it went on, okay? And she, still, she signed up for a lifestyle of this. Look, she's Jesus' mom. You know, as crazy as Jesus was, and I say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, because he was the sanest human to ever walk the earth, but it was crazy to the fleshly mind. It was crazy to the religious mind, the way he lived. And that was, she's like, that's my boy. So <laughs> she signed up for this lifestyle of like misunderstanding and stigma. So what I'm saying is this, guys, for you, if you're going to have that humble heart to say, yes, God, your will be done, I agree with you. Let me tell you, there is a stigma. There is a suffering and I'm not just talking about getting beaten and um, going through torment, uh, you know, uh, in, in physical, although that, that happens. It's happening all across the earth, and that's a part. We, we suffer in, in, our, in our bodies. But I'm telling you, you suffer from other bodies talking and looking at you and rejecting you, calling you crazy, calling you immoral, calling you a drunkard, because that's just what they do. When you follow God, that's what they did the prophets, that's what they did with Mary, that's what they did with Jesus, that's what they did with John the Baptist, and all those who came after. This is the life you signed up for. So if there is only applause and handshakes in your uh, corner and from your people, it might be a good time to just humbly come before God and say, God, am I under your hand? Am I humbling myself under your hand? Because... Uh, I don't want to purposefully cause trouble, but it seems that there's a good track record of people who are really under your hand and in line with you. They catch a lot of flack. So uh, as you say with your humble heart, yes, God, understand that there is going to be a stigma and there's going to be some suffering involved. But you be a good suffering servant. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a merry disposition a happy disposition. You'll be a merry Mary. You'll be a happy slave of God. 
And one of the ways you can be so happy is the next attribute of Mother Mary, uh, Mama Mary. And that is, she is a glory giver. She was a glory giver. She gave glory to God. She said, I magnify the Lord. She magnified the Lord in that song in the book of Luke. And then she lived a life of magnifying him. She glorified him. She gave glory to him when she said, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do in my body, whatever you want to do with, with me as a teenage girl, whatever you want to do in my 20s as I raise this sovereign son of yours, I say yes, and that gave God glory. Every time you say yes to God, you give him glory. It says when someone turns to the Lord, the angels celebrate in heaven. That's not just talking about when they sign a card and say, yes, I'll say yes to, to the forgiveness of sins. Amen. They celebrate then. But whenever someone turns from pride, from rebellion, from a sin, whenever they turn and they turn with humility and agreement to God, there's a lot of merriment in heaven. There's celebration because you give glory to God. And that's what the angels do full time. They're like, oh, oh, somebody's doing it on earth. Let's join in. Except they're a whole lot more animated. I don't want to freak you out right now. Um, but I could. Maybe I will before we get off today. Speaking of that, we've got uh, not much time. So let me move on. But before I do, glory giver. She was a glory giver because she gave glory to God. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more satisfying, nothing more um, fulfilling than to give glory to God. That's what we we're made to do. Put a smile on his face. Lift him up. But you know, there's an, another pleasure. Jesus said one time, it's better to give than it is to receive. And if he said it, then it's true. You know, Paul quoted that New Testament. He said, the Lord said it's better to give than to receive. Mary gave God's glory to the earth. She gave his glory to the earth. She, gave, she presented her son, just like at the temple. She's like, here's the glory of God. It was literally the glory of God. The glory of God is the manifest presence of God. It's the character of God. It's the nature. It's the truth of who he is. That's the glory of God. It shows up sometimes as uh, um, glowing mist or white light, and it always has an impact on the earth. But it was tangible in the form of that little baby and that boy and that man. And she got to give that glory to the earth. This Mary band that I'm calling you to comes with a promise that part of the package is you get to give God's glory to the earth. You get to present the glory of God to the earth. That's amazing. When, when you watch someone's expression who says yes, because there's going to be people who reject the glory. There are people who rejected Mary's gift of God's glory in the form of Jesus. And that's why a sword pierced her own soul, just like Simeon said, because there were some people who rejected the glory of God that she gave. And there's going to be a piercing in your soul. That's a suffering servant. When they reject the Jesus glory, you give the earth. But there are those who say, thank you, Mama Mary. <laughs> thank you for giving me this glory of God. It'll be the best thing they've ever received. And I'm telling you, at that moment, you're going to weep tears of joy you're going to praise God. You're going to lift up your heart and say, thank you, Father, that I got to give the glory of your son to the earth, that I got to give it to the earth. So much more can be said about Mama Mary, but that's one attribute. 
So I'm thinking maybe I'm just going to zero in on Mary Magdalene and then we'll pick up on Mary of Bethany again next week when we talk about um, not just being Mary, as in happy, but we're going to be the ones who the Lord will marry. So let's talk about Mary Magdalene really quickly. All right, the, the things I want to hit on about Mary Magdalene. Deliverance and devotion. And resurrection and rejoicing. Now, Mary Magdalene was a woman who had unparalleled loyalty to Jesus. She shows up at the tomb when he's being buried. She shows up at the tomb before it's even dawn on the third day to uh, anoint his body and to just, just be close to his body. She's the first one to see the resurrected Jesus. Jesus knows her, calls her by name. She's the first one who's sent with the message of the resurrection. So she's really a very special human being. And there's so much that could be said about her. But one of the things the scriptures is clear about is that Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven demons. Now, I don't know exactly how she got a house full of demons. And you know the number seven is used by Jesus and used by the writers of Scripture, the Holy Spirit, to signify completion or fullness or perfection in a way. Jesus one time talked about demonic possession. He said, if somebody's delivered from an evil spirit that goes out of the body, but if, if, if they're not filled up and if the, the house is not full of something else from God then that wicked spirit will come back and bring seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And the, and the state of that house will be worse than the first. So what Jesus is saying when using the number seven, he's using it saying, look, there can be a, a, a fullness of evil that takes over a person. Even if they're cleaned out once, if they're not filled up by what I have to give, a fullness of evil takes over. Well, Mary had seven demons. And I don't know if it's necessarily so important to remember to know exactly what wicked spirits those were and by the way just a little biblical refresher here jesus dealt with uh, with evil spirits a lot in the bible so it's not just a weird thing to talk about demonic spirits demonic uh, possession or even naming which spirits this is what jesus did we learned from him he said you spirit of infirmity you deaf and dumb spirit Okay, he called out what they specifically were doing, afflicting human beings. Okay, this is not just something that happened a couple thousand years ago and then the demons packed up and went away to some other planet. No, they're, they're actually, they've been ramping up. They're more intense now than ever. That's why Paul said the last days, he said, I'm seeing ahead. And he said, those days will be filled with wickedness. They'll be evil. Okay, so we've got a lot of punks in the spiritual realm to deal with. And we're going to deal with them the way Jesus dealt with them. And he kicked them out. He kicked them out of Mary. So what I want to say to you as a part of the Mary little band, the second piece is Mary Magdalene. I want to say to you that there is a deliverance from demonic influence that God has for your life. And I'm not trying to get you to freak out and like think that you are possessed by a demon. No, you are bought with the blood of Jesus. But I'm telling you, even someone who's been bought with the blood of Jesus 
can have agreement with a lot of things that are not true. And the things that are not true come from one source. Jesus told us the father of lies is Satan, Lucifer. That punk who led a rebellion, who works with a lot of unclean spirits, and so they sow lies into our minds. When we agree with the lie, that means we are agreeing with something that is not from God. And when we agree with something not from God, we open ourselves up to the influence of wicked spirits. So what I want to tell you, though, is God wants to deliver you from the lies and from the oppression that you've been dealing with. I don't know how all this is going to work, but I know time and time again, I have been impressed time and time again through scripture, through prayer, through the spirit of Jesus within me. And it's like this statement is coming out of, just, just bubbling up out of me. Travis, tell my people, I have got an unprecedented deliverance for planet earth. Just like I did with Mary, I cleaned her out of seven demons. I'm going to clear my people out of all of their demons, the fullness of their wicked influence. I'm going to clear them out. I'm going to clean them out. So I want to tell you that there is a whole, complete deliverance to the depths, an unprecedented deliverance coming for you. Now, don't just point to someone else and say, oh yeah, that's for so-and-so I saw at Walmart. You know, you could tell that they're living a rough life. Or, or that's for uh, my friend because I know that the sin that they're in and they've probably opened themselves up to a lot of demons. No, let me tell you something. Jesus came to the leaders of the scriptures of the day, the leaders of, of, the, of the church, and he told them, you are the children of Satan. You're the offspring of Satan. He wasn't trying to like, Give them an, an insult, like a playground insult, like you're the devil's son, man. No, Jesus was teaching them theology. He said, you have been trained by demons and you have been fathered in your mind and in your heart by the devil. Therefore, you are influenced and run by hell. So I want to tell you that much of what we think and much of what Christianity is built on it doesn't matter that we've got some words right and some scriptural, um, anybody can copy the scriptures down. And I'm all about the scriptures. But we have to be aligned with God in spirit and truth. If not, we open ourselves up to a Mary Magdalene problem. Even if we're not involved in some gross, immoral, outward sin, we don't know what she was involved in. We just know that she had a real problem, seven demons. And when Jesus cleaned her out, when he gave her that unprecedented deliverance, you know what it resulted in? Unprecedented devotion. So I want to tell you, she who was forgiven much, you know, she was obviously forgiven because the, the demonic possession and the deliverance from that demonic possession was connected to her forgiveness of sins. Because without forgiveness of sins, our sins remain. And when our sins remain, the demons remain. But when we're forgiven and the sin is washed away, the demons can't get in. So she who was forgiven much and delivered of much, she loved much. She was a little lamb who followed him wherever he went. Her devotion, even at the tomb, even at the tomb, she wanted to be close to his dead body. She was weeping because she couldn't find his dead body. She told the gardener, <laughs> she thought it was the gardener. She said, wherever you've taken him, just tell me where his body is. I want to be close to his body. 
That's devotion. She's so obsessed with Jesus, so loyal to him, she just wants to lay by his dead body. I'm telling you, that's the, that's the attribute of somebody a part of this merry little band. Now I'm looking at 1159. Ooh, it just turned to 12. So give me five minutes, all right? If you're going to sign out, that's fine. I bless you. I bless you now. <laughs> give me five minutes. Her devotion was because she had been delivered to the depths. There is a unique love that I believe we will encounter, like Mary did, when we get totally cleaned out of demonic influence. I even right now feel impressed that some of you uh, listening and watching, I just want to uh, pray over you that you would have grace from God to humble yourself under, under his hand even today and say, God, what parts of me are agreeing with lies? What parts of me are aligned with the wicked one? What parts of me need to come into the prayer that you taught me to pray, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one? And God, how can I open up and take my hands off my life and become a doule of God, a doulos, a doulos of God, and just say, yes, let it be to me according to your word, according to your word of deliverance. I just really feel like that God, even in these days of isolation, he wants to come to your home and he wants to deliver you of your seven demons. What's the mess that you're in? Because no mess is too big for him. He'll clean it up. He'll clean your house. So I just want to pray right now that God would visit you like he visited Mary Magdalene and he would deliver you to the depths and he would produce in you a devotion. It's not of yourself. You would just have such a, a deliverance from him that you would feel his love that, that God would take Take out those oppressors and break off their power from your life, from your shoulders, from your mind, from your body. And you would be so grateful, you would just gush with loyalty and devotion. Yeah. Okay, so a two-minute resurrection and rejoicing. Look, Mary Magdalene was not only the one who was delivered and then became devoted, but she was devoted so much so that she got to be a first-hand witness of the resurrection. See, here's the thing. Here's the progression. If you let God deliver you to the depths, sevenfold deliverance, you will become sevenfold fullness devoted, and you will be wherever he is, even if he's lying dead in a grave. By the way, he never will be again. He's alive forever. Forever. A little Squints Polydorus reference there. Forever he's alive. And you'll be wherever he is. This you should remember, follow me. You're just a little lamb like Mary Magdalene following him wherever he goes. And it's not like, oh, I got to follow this miser. Oh, who knows what he'll do. He might turn around and smack me. No. Oh, I get to follow the lamb, the, the one who conquered my demons, the one who set me free. Oh, God, let me just come close to you. Whatever. Let me, let me just hang with you. Even if you're lying down, if you're sleeping, just let me hang close to you. Wherever you are, I just want to be where you're staying. That's what Mary Magdalene was like. He's like, hey, you come with me, you follow me, you're going to see some cool stuff. In fact, Mary, 
Since you follow me, I'm a, I got a gift for you. I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see what nobody else has seen. Here I am. Bam. Resurrected body. Bam. 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 You know what I'm saying? I'm the lamb. I laid down my life. But now I'm here again. Never to die. You see me? You know what he said first to Mary? He said, rejoice. Matthew 28, 9. It's sometimes translated greetings, but it's kyrio, kerio. Same root word as my wife's name, charis. It means happy, pleasing, delight. Rejoice. Rejoice, Mary. So that's what I want to say to you today. I want to end it right there as I'm looking at 12.04 on my clock. Come be a part of this merry little band. He's raising up glo globally. Come under his hand. I'm just his little span doing my little part to welcome you into this merry, merry band. This little merry band. So humble yourself under this hand. Become his possession, his bondservant, his doulos, his doule. And I'm telling you, you are going to see things you never dreamed were possible because like Mama Mary taught us with God anything is possible you can give birth to glory and give it to the earth and you could give God glory the whole time and you can live not just with one sight but you can live the rest of your days in the reality of the res resurrection and then you can just be obedient to Jesus's command when he said to Mary Magdalene in his resurrected state, like he's saying to you now, rejoice. Or in other words, be merry, Mary. All right. I'll see you guys later.